0: Hello and welcome to Politics Theory Other, a podcast from Tribune magazine. My guest today is Adrian Buller. We spoke about how big the stakes are in the general election regarding the climate emergency. We also talked about the recent channel Four Climate Change Debate and what it tells us about the media discussion around climate. And finally, we chatted about whether the Green Industrial Revolution, used by the Labour Party in its manifesto, is the right framing for mobilising around the climate crisis. Adrian Buller is Senior Research Fellow at Commonwealth and Co Director of Labour for a Green New Deal. Her work is focused on the intersection of the climate crisis and the financial system, and you can follow her on Twitter. Her handle is at Adri Buller. I began the interview by asking Adrian how significant a Labour victory on December 12, as opposed to a Conservative one, would be for the question of averting the worst consequences of the climate crisis.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I think definitely um, it's it's impossible to overstate uh, <laughs> how important that would be. Um, I think um, for a lot of reasons, but I mean we're going to speak to climate primarily here, so. Um, I think for listeners of this podcast, I don't really need to to state again, how, how dire the situation that we're in is. Um, you know, the window of time in which we can act is shrinking rapidly. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this is sort of, uh, one of our last chances to, to get ourselves on a path that has sort of any, any hope of, uh, of driving the changes that we need to see. Um, and it's equally important, I think, because sort of, in addition to the climate element. I mean, you have you know the Greens and, and even the Liberal Democrats coming out with lots of lots of pledges. All the parties are trying to, to green themselves at selection. But um, I'm of the mind that none of those things are workable unless we also tackle um, the other challenges that you know only Labour has credible plans for. So you know poverty, inequality, um, sort of the profligacy of the financial system. All of these things um, sort of preclude us from from doing any of the nice things like building wind turbines um, mm. to sort of the, the scale that we need.
0: What one often hears from conservatives and the tabloid media in that regard is that, uh, you know, what you're advocating for is is kind of socialism by the back door uh, and that there is no no reason why there needs to be this entwining of, of a struggle. Against inequality um, and for uh, an increase in, in state involvement in the economy with the fight for uh, climate justice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I'll be honest with you, it's socialism through the front door. <laughs> there's, there's no hiding it. Yeah. Um, you know, the eventual Green New Deal conference motion that came out of Labour was Labour's socialist Green New Deal. There's really no, mm. no one's under any illusions here. Um, but I think. Um, I mean, I definitely start from the premise that those criticisms are just sort of fundamentally flawed. Um, You know, anyone who can't see that all of these issues sort of share a very clear root, um, you know, is in my mind, I think, doomed to fail to some extent. Not only because it'll make it politically impossible, you know, if people are wondering, you know, where their next meal is going to come from, it's it's challenging to focus on sort of creating a society that is livable and inhabitable, you know. 40, 50 years in line. Um, But also because, you know, as I said, you can't sort of just green our energy system without completely changing um, the rest of the system that will continue to drive those same ills.
0: How much does it matter specifically what Britain does when it comes to climate? Because obviously, Britain historically has been a very significant emitter of of carbon. Uh, First nation to industrialise, obviously, along perhaps with Belgium. But at this stage, although it's a significant contributor, it's, it's not, you know, of the scale of, of the United States, say, or, or, or China. And how much does it really matter uh, if, if, if a Green New Deal is implemented in, in the UK, do you think?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And it's funny because I think um, having spent a few hours on, on the doorstep yesterday, that's um, actually a really, really common response I get back is, you know, this is Mm. all very nice, but what about China? (laughs) Mm. Um, But I think um, there are two reasons why it's really important. Admittedly, you know, the UK is sort of middling for current emissions. Um, But the first is that um, I think because of sort of the... The similarities between um, not only historically but the current sort of political environment in the UK and the United States, um, the election of a Labour government and the enactment of a uh, of a Green New Deal in the UK could have um, really powerful knock-on effects for the United States, um, and you know for the Sanders campaign, for example, who are explicitly running on a on a Green New Deal platform. Um, I also think the nature of, of the climate program is important. So what's exciting about sort of the Green New Deal and Green Industrial Revolution sort of platform in the UK is that uh, it's really, really strong on the internationalist aspect. So in addition to, you know, the more obvious technology transfers and sort of finance to the global south, it's also about, you know, addressing the ills in a, in a global economic system um, so that we can not only assist countries in the global south to sort of transition themselves, um, but also just changing um, structures in the global economy that that underlie this crisis. So I think that's a really important part of it, despite us, you know, as a small island being a relatively average um, sort of absolute emitter. And the last thing I would say is that on the one hand this is about decarbonizing our country but it's also a way to to make it more resilient to improve people's lives to also you know preserve the natural world itself and and so it comes with a lot of other things in addition to just you know cutting emissions
0: regarding those conversations you've been having out on the doorstep do the conventional uh, conservative tropes around climate come up I mean th- you know things like seeing the climate change movement as as being about uh, reducing people's freedoms, uh, increasing sort of state intrusion into people's lives, reducing people's capacities to consume and to and to to live the lifestyles that they they're used to—is—is is that something that's come up particularly?
1: Actually, no. So hmm. the more the time that I spend out there, the more that actually just seems to be sort of a broadcast media trope. You know, they try and catch you out by asking if everyone's going to have to give up their cars, and it's hmm. a bit tedious at this point. <laughs> yeah. But um, surprisingly, no. So even when I'm talking you know, to voters from across the spectrum, um, it does seem that, that climate change and, and often the more tangible elements of it, so sort of more immediate environmentalism, air pollution, water pollution, those kinds of things, um, really cut through and aren't sort of seen as extremist, sort of hippie uh, issues anymore. Mm. Um, I think uh, much as everyone has sort of lost faith in... in the state to provide a lot of things in their life. So, um, you know, infrastructure and, and benefits and support. I think people do recognize that when it comes to this issue in particular, it, it's sort of one of the last frontiers in which it has to be the state and there is no other option. Um, so that's been really interesting um, in conversations that otherwise seem to be marred by just broad disillusionment and sort of a, mm. a sense of abandonment a little bit.
0: Going back to the point around the green industrial revolution and uh the global South. Mm. so, um I mean uh, I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe this is a there's an obvious response to this, but thinking about the the project to to, to roll out programs of of uh, whether it's the Green New Deal in the United states or, or the green industrial Revolution is the alternative messaging which the labor party has has, has decided upon. If, if this is to be enacted within a what will remain a capitalist economy, I mean, Labour is not promising. You know, uh, however much some of us might, <laughs> you know, prefer <laughs> something uh, more more radical, is it, you know, it's not it's proposing to you know sort of try and humanize capitalism to to some extent within within the United Kingdom. And, and if this occurs within a, a, a capitalist global economy, um, is there not a danger that the success of, the, of a Green New Deal in the, in the UK? Uh, rather than inspiring replication of uh, of what the UK does serves instead to simply uh, position the UK at the forefront of of green technologies as something of a first mover in terms of of uh, enacting a program of this scale and that that potentially uh, because operating with this sort of competitive world economy that could be the expense of the emergence of green technology in other in other parts of the world
1: mm, yeah no I think that's a, a really valid criticism um, and I think what is currently in the Labour Manifesto is, is a really important start um, at dealing with that issue. So again, the commitment you know, to make any products of our green industrial revolution sort of available free or, or almost uh, free of cost to the global south um, is, is a good first step. Um, I don't think that's where it can nor should end. What's more important than um, I think just the industrial side of it is I'll return again to sort of changing the global financial structure of which the UK um, is a hub and therefore has you know tremendous power to shape. Mm. Um, so you know immediately that starts with changing sort of the the CCD um, from the Department for International Development into into a green investment bank. Um, so that sort of all. Aid is is done through sort of a, a climate justice spectrum. Um it's also, you know, changing UK export finance, which overwhelmingly is something shocking, like I think ninety-six percent of its sort of energy budget is is spent supporting fossil fuel related projects overseas. Um so immediately changing that so that you don't sort of re-entrench countries in the global south in in a fossil fuel dependent uh, sort of infrastructure and energy system. Mm. Um, But importantly, it's also completely changing the way that the city of London operates. And I think the effects of that um, would be tremendous. So it begins with things like sort of the financial transaction um, tax and closing all sorts of loopholes, because um, right now the financial system primarily just invests in itself in real estate and insurance, because it's, you know, it's cheaper to do that and they can, you know, extract more profits that way. Um, And it's just sort of constant microtransactions happening, you know, 100 times a minute kind of thing. And so reducing that and actually sort of making the financial system more measured and slowly finding mechanisms to drive it into sort of investing um, in actually productive investment in industry in in domestic industry as well as global industry would be would be huge and I think as well um, sort of using other tools like macroprudential tools that the labor Party has proposed using again sort of a uh, a green supporting factor, um, so that uh, you know banks have to hold less collateral, for example, against against green investments and or more collateral against um, brown investments. I think those mm. would actually have tremendous knock on effects, just because it is such a a centre of global capital.
0: In the in the long term, for the, the success of any such project, do you think it really does entail perhaps the end of of, of the autonomy of decisions around capital investment to to a significant extent?
1: Um, a little bit. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't go as far as to say you know everything will be will be mandated, but I do think there needs to be we need to be moving towards um, very clear restrictions on the ability to to invest in in fossil fuel infrastructure, um, mm. in in elements of our current infrastructural system that that are actively you know you know driving us <laughs> in some kind of death march a cliff edge. Mm. Um, not to sound extreme, um, but it is extreme. So. I stand by that Um, and um, yeah I think I think there are lots of ways that you can sort of nudge people encourage this but ultimately absolutely that will have to change Um, and I think that we we have to be firm on that and and take it on with with a firm hand and not be sort of worried about pushback from you know from the city Mm. Um, they will push back they'll push back against anything Um, but when you know climate breakdown is what's at stake then that's that's the approach you need to take
0: how much do you think labor is thinking about the question of of the procurement of technologies and and the material for, for uh, creating renewable technologies from the from the global south I mean I, re- I recently spoke to theoria Francos uh, about mm. this and you know she's looking very much into the the use of uh, the extraction of, of lithium from places like Chile and and the local effects of, of that do, do, you, do you get a sense that labor is thinking about the uh, the supply chain side of this because it often feels to me like a lot of the discussions is around uh the domestic side of things
1: yeah no definitely um and i think i (laughs) i started to sweat a little bit when i saw um pre-manifesto announcements coming out regarding you know massive investment in in, in evs and all of these things you know i thought oh i don't know if that's that's really the focus that we want to be taking. Uh,
0: um, electric vehicles, is that? Yes, yes, yeah. electric
1: vehicles. Sorry, um, which which um, sort of are a huge source of the problem that you're that you're citing there um, in terms of batteries and, and associated infrastructure. So, um, I was a bit nervous um, when I saw that that was sort of a focus that the party was taking. But I do think that they again are, are sort of taking strong initial steps um, to address that. Although I think a lot more could be done to make it more explicit. Mm. Um, but um so they sort of pivoted a little bit and and well not pivoted but have added in sort of the feature of community car clubs being a focus so rather than just replacing vehicles one-to-one which i think we all know is completely infeasible with the resources that we have without being absolutely punitive to the global south Mm. um so rather than doing that sort of more more step changes to mobility so car sharing or you know massive investment in shared public transport um, to sort of move people away a bit from, from private vehicle ownership. I do think they could go farther on that, um, but it's it's a good first step. Um, and also I think what's really interesting is amidst the various announcements from different parties of gigafactories, I don't know, suddenly everyone's really into gigafactories, which I've never heard of before a few months ago, um, but they announced sort of three automotive manufacturing and sort of battery gigafactories, um, but a huge part of that is a plan for sort of um, investment in lithium recycling technologies and, and battery recycling so that we can avoid exactly what you're talking about, which is needing to, to constantly extract more and just you know ship it off to be wasted um, when when that technology is no longer in use. Going back to the
0: electric electric vehicles I mean it did seem to me reading the manifesto that that, that had been dialed back there didn't seem to be as much on that as I was as I was expecting. I don't know if you, if you felt that as well.
1: Yeah, I did a little bit. I think I think the emphasis on sort of the manufacturing jobs element of it um, was still quite strong. Mm. Um, but I do think that they've maybe um, started to to pay attention to the discussion that's being had around just the need for a complete change in in the way that we move and get around. Um, and you know, the idea of sort of car free cities or or all of those things—they're um, not formally in there. But I think I think in the long run, they really could. Could, uh, could be and they're making the early steps to to allow that to happen hmm.
0: yeah uh, i i sort of feel like uh you know if the makers and presenters of top gear aren't unhappy about this then it's you know it's not my it's <laughs> not my revolution kind of that is an excellent
1: thing. litmus test yeah um,
0: yeah. um <laughs> the, the clarkson test um yeah so uh in terms of the framing so obviously in the united states the the, the green new deal is is the, the framing for, for these these policies and instead, the Labour Manifesto refers to a green industrial revolution instead. And hmm. one can see why that would be. The Green New Deal is, is obviously uh, has very strong associations with uh, the United States and, and Roosevelt and, and so on. But what do you think about this framing as compared with the, with the Green New Deal? Obviously, you're part of uh, a member of um, one of the leaders, in fact, of, of Labour for a Green New Deal. So that's not the framing that you had chosen. Uh, what, what do you think about that decision?
1: Um, Yeah, so there are a few, few parts to that. The first is that um, I think, you know, our decision to use the Green New Deal frame um, was in part because it was gaining such powerful momentum um, across the Atlantic and we Mm. thought, you know, it would be really powerful to draw on and sort of build a transatlantic partnership, you know, as it were. Um, But also because, um, you know, I think speaking to the original New Deal itself, again, it it was... um, a way of moving out of a crisis that was partly um, you know state investment and but also creating a social safety net and also taking on um the sort of the financial system itself again which had had driven that crisis um so i think that spoke really powerfully to us because we sort of recognize all the same links um in sort of the climate and inequality crises in the uk hmm. that said um, I think you know what we've been told by the party is that when they did sort of focus group work and, and you know it's very valid to do it didn't didn't resonate in the same way because you know there's no sort of history of that there, yeah. um, which is fine. I personally and this is a criticism that's been raised by a few people, um, I don't necessarily think that the industrial revolution for me is something to be uncritically proud of. I will say, mm. um, on the one hand, you know I understand that that is is. I think a, a proud history that people in the UK imaginary sort of have, but the reality is that it was a horrible time for for most people, frankly. Um, not only domestically within the UK, you know, massive exploitation of labour, terrible living standards, um, huge shifts of pollution, and and um, sort of unlivable cities. Um, but also, um, you know, it was it was entirely propped up by. Um, you know, exploitation of people of color throughout the world, um, exploitation of, you know, appropriated indigenous lands in North America. These are all things um, that sort of get written out of that of that history. Mm-hmm. We like to think of like, oh, you know, we invented the mill and everything was good and, you know. Um, but that's that's sort of far from the case. So on the one hand, I understand their choice, but I think it's important then if we're to use this framing um, to go forward saying, you know, we will recognize that history of the industrial revolution and the green industrial revolution um, will do everything it can to sort of actively counter um, those histories and and not repeat them going forward and sort of make amends for them if that makes sense
0: yeah no I mean I, I felt very much the same I mean I um, I was very struck reading the manifesto coming across the sentence uh, that says the industrial Revolution brought industry jobs and pride to our towns and it's mm. this strange thing where the successes of the trade unions whereby they managed to make industrial life sort of relatively livable from a situation in which as, as you say you know it's a, a, a appalling exploitation um and you know obviously there's the dispossession of the, of, of the peasantry and the creation of a proletarian workforce which which is is a prerequisite of that revolution and uh, you know all, all the all the things you're talking about in terms of the, the colonial situation as as well and yeah that just isn't isn't there in that picture at all and the successes of, of the unions are just attributed mm. to the Industrial revolution itself as if as if capital landed in the north of England and and you know made some <laughs> decent jobs for people and i mean I, I yeah i can understand it obviously it speaks to some nostalgia for the post-war era, era. but uh yeah. i mean my sense it's is that it, it um this is a reflection of, of what the labor party is and has always been And you know i'm, I'm a member of the labor party and i'm you know a, a very much a supporter but it's always been a party whose project really has been about sort of carving out this space of uh relative livability within within capitalism and i it it, it, that kind of language did wonder sort of how much a break that kind of thinking may be on on the labor project long term
1: yeah i i admit it was definitely sort of a, a bit of a blunt blunt line there i agree um and i think um you know, I think it's not reflected elsewhere in the manifesto, but it is something that we'll have to sort of carefully attend to, um, you know, should there be a Labour government or, or should something akin to the green industrial revolution be taken up um, in the UK in the future. Um, because um, not only do we need to keep the trade union movement on side, which I think they strongly are, but um, it needs to be sort of a clear recognition of the value that they've always had um, to the Labour government or, you know, Labour movement. Um, but also sort of the other side of it, which is just admitting that, you know, the UK doesn't have a rosy past. We have, you know, a history of exploitation, of hostility, a, an ongoing history of hostility, um, you know, to people of colour, to migrants. Um, and, and just sort of pretending that doesn't, didn't happen um, for me isn't a way to, to go forward convincingly.
0: Is there also a question around automation and the possibility of uh, you know a very large number of of, of, of of jobs in this this new sort of green green economy? Because it seems from the manifesto, it, it, it very much is uh, suggesting that work will play as a central central a role in people's lives as it has uh, throughout the twentieth century and the early twenty first century, and there is that question of whether we should be seeking to not just improve the situation of work, but move towards the reduction of work over the long term and and to and to, to problematize work rather than to see it simply as something that, that should be uh, mm. afforded greater dignity and respect, and one can understand that point of view, but to actually see it as, as central to uh, capitalist uh, social relations and something to, to try and go beyond.
1: Yeah, um, I would definitely agree. I think it is uh, sort of an artifact of the labor movement to have always been fixated on on work and jobs, you know, creating jobs, good jobs. Um, And and that is definitely important. Um, I think the The focus in the near term is clearly on sort of very classic um, what you think of when you picture a green job, which is someone in a hard hat building a wind turbine. Mm. I think that's fine in the new, in the near term. What I would like to see going forward is the emphasis is there a little bit, but is a stronger emphasis on the shift to other kinds of green jobs, jobs that are sort of low carbon just by design. Um, so you know, care work, healthcare, social work, um, all of these things, um, and I think that comes a lot from the promises to invest in things like education and healthcare and social care in ways that we haven't been doing um, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be a really important part of that shift. Um, yeah, I mean, the manifesto also proposes the gradual shift to a 32 hour working week, um, recognizing that with automation and, and the productivity gains to be made from that, um, that that should go to benefit working people rather than just be captured um, in profit extraction by, by those sort of. Um, who already own all the capital, so that is, I think, an interesting transition. On a point of this, what I found kind of surprising, um, which maybe I shouldn't have, is that the the Greens' manifesto actually proposes uh, a universal basic income as as a part of their Green New Deal, mm-hmm. which to me says that they're they're attending to this um, possibility, um, which is interesting. I'm not sure that I would I would start with the UBI, sort of universal ba- basic income, um, because I think just, you know, handing people more money without, um, without sort of first changing the way that our economy operates um, will actually just sort of further the interests of capital and those at the top. I think a UBI is something that would be really interesting, um, you know, once we've sort of, uh, you know, balanced out wealth in our economy, dealt with inequality and, and invested in universal basic services in a way that the, the economy is already operating in a way that serves people.
0: On the positions of the uh, the other parties, I mean, what is what is your evaluation of the climate policies of the Conservatives, the Lib Dems, and and also the the Greens? Um, I mean, as you say, that we're clearly in a situation where everybody has to gesture towards a progressive policy on climate at least, <laughs> which is some kind of victory. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's important that the Conservatives feel they have to. Um, you know try and uh, they, you know they've even been adopting the language of the green new deal to some extent though obviously mm. that they, they don't propose anything remotely on the scale of what what labor is, is talking about but but what is your view of the, of the specific uh, policy agenda of the other the other parties
1: Um, Yeah, so I think, you know, a part of it is just sort of gesturing toward Green. But some of them, you know, I will, I will sort of give credit where it's due. I think, you know, the Liberal Democrats have made some proposals that are sort of similar to Labour's. Um, You know, they are trying to have, you know, 80% renewable energy, for example, by 2030. I think that's a laudable goal. Um, it's a big shift from a party that, you know, two years ago in the last election was like, you yeah, know, maybe we should do more fracking. Um, hmm. So I think, you know, those are genuine wins. But
0: their decarbonization goal is 2050,
1: is that right? 2045.
0: 2045.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there are some sort of piecemeal elements, I think, that are good. Um, but overall, sort of, um, not only is is the two thousand and forty five target I think far too late for the United Kingdom. Not only because we've already made huge strides, but also in light of our capacity and historical responsibility. Um, so it's far too late. Um, but also they don't sort of there is a complete lack. Um, of sort of an overarching structure and a plan. So um, they haven't made the step of saying that tackling the climate crisis needs to be sort of the frame through which we approach all other policymaking, which Mm. I think Labour has has started to do. Um, It's sort of you know, these are a lot of things we believe in. These are some goals we have. Oh, and also um, climate change is a serious issue. Um, here are some ways we can think about doing it. But a lot of the Liberal Democrat Manifesto, when you read into it, is, you know, we commit to making a plan for something. So it's sort of a plan for a plan and, and layers of, mm. of hypotheticals rather than um, having done the work to make this concrete as well as to sort of link uh, discrete policies together um, in a really compelling way. The Conservative Manifesto on Climate is just... In my mind, get Brexit Um, done. Get Brexit done, and then you know maybe we'll deal. That's actually a line. There is a line that says we'll get (laughs) Brexit done so that we can you know then focus on. Oh, I think it says focus on you know the great challenge of our future, and then they don't even say climate change. The great challenge of our future, clean energy or something like that, which is just a. Tremendous framing, um, and you know, climate change as an issue doesn't appear to like page fifty-five of a sixty-page manifesto. Um, I don't think they're they're sort of under any illusions that people think that they are the party of tackling climate change. You know, they refuse to put an outright ban on fracking, which is one of the single most unpopular uh, sort of industries in I you know probably ever. I think in the UK it has something like a ninety-two percent disapproval rating mm. a few months ago. Um, that just seems like an obvious choice that they're not taking. Um, and and also, um, you know, the scale of what they're offering. I think they like to, to dress these up as really um, ambitious uh, sort of government spending commitments. So they say things like we have doubled international climate finance, but that's only because, you know, their first offer on international climate finance was so laughably low, um, or they say, you know, we'll commit, uh, you know, 1 billion uh, pound fund um, to, I think, green the energy system when, you know, a billion pounds over five years is the equivalent to what, you know, five of the oil majors have spent on just sort of greenwashing marketing and and lobbying against climate action. Mm. So to put it in perspective, it's just, it's a, it's a tiny amount that sounds like a big number that they like to throw around. Um, so, I'm not seeing the the ambition or the vision or the credible plans yet. <laughs> yeah, I will say. <laughs> yeah, from um, the Conservative manifesto.
0: Yes, I think we might be waiting quite a long time for,
1: <laughs> yeah. for those.
0: You've been listening to Politics Theory Other. If you would like to hear the extended version of this interview, please consider supporting the show via Patreon. You can find the page at Patreon.com forward slash Poll Theory Other. Thanks for listening.